Okay, we're going to try something new, um, and we're just going to see how it works. It might not work great. Um, I might go ahead and next week have it back, uh, Sheets. But if you have the U version of your phone and you go to the More, if you open up More, if you don't have U version, it's free. It's a Bible app. And you go to More, and then you go to Event, and you'll find Cell Street on that. And if you'll hit that, it'll say Approach. And it'll come up and look like this right there. And that's the notes for tonight. If you go down to the bottom, you'll see that there's blank tabs. If you go to the bottom, it says Add Notes. You can add the notes and the answers to that. But it has the verses on there, um, and it has everything. I will have stuff next week on here. I misunderstood what Emily asked me, and it was my fault because we're trying something new. I'm trying to save some paper and, uh, and some other things. But we are going to try this for just a few weeks, see if it works well for the youth. If it doesn't, if I see that the phones are more of a distraction than a help, then we're just going back to sheets of paper, and that's fine. Um, but uh, just kind of letting everybody know. So if everybody would turn with me to, if you do have your Bibles and you don't, uh, don't have the U version, if you'll go to Matthew 9, 9 through 13. Matthew 9, 9 through 13. Jesus had just healed uh, uh, a man who was paralyzed, and he was walking from there, and from there he meets a man named Matthew, on uh, some versions of the Bible called Levi, who will become a disciple. And this story here is going to be going to be the background and the basis of our first part of our series. Our series is called Approach. Approach, if you look up in the dictionary, one of the definitions um, that's a verb means to tell someone something new. To tell someone something new. And he approached me to tell me something. He approached to tell me something new. It means to tell someone Something that they don't know. Something that they may not have heard. We are to approach people with the gospel of Christ. So this is going to be topical in the sense that we're going to look at different passages of Scripture every week. But we're still going to keep to the exegetical text in the sense of we're going to teach exactly what the text says. And we're going to look, um, we're going to look at the approach with people. We're going to look at the approach with power, um, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit and how that is involved in the uh, in evangelism. That is not talked enough enough, so we need to talk about that. We're going to talk about the approach, the presentation, and we're going to see Jesus and how he presented the gospel to the woman at the well, also known as the Samaritan woman. And then we're going to look at the approach persist. We're going to go back to the power of the Holy Spirit in Acts one eight and talk about what did Jesus want us to do with the gospel. It's not to just die here. It was, a, it was to be a persistence. It was supposed to be an ongoing thing. So tonight, we're looking at the people. We're going to look at the people. So we're going to look at two groups of people that a lot of people fall in who are technically uh, who are in the lost category. So we're going to look at this. So as Jesus passed on from there, again with the paralegic man, 
he saw a man named, called Matthew, some texts say Levi, sitting at the tax collector's booth, or tax booth, and he said to him, follow me. He rose up, he followed him, and as Jesus reclined at the table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with the tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard that, he said, those who are well have no need of a what? Physician or a doctor. That's right, physician. But those who are what? Sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not what? Mm. For I came not to call the righteous, but the what? Sinners. We're going to look at that tonight. The approach of the people. So we're going to ask this question. If you have your outlines in front of you, the question that we've got to ask is the who. The who in this. We're talking about people, so we can't talk about that without the who. And no, I don't mean the band. The who, okay? I know that's uh, exactly some of y'all are going, I don't know what that means. We'll Google the who later, okay? Not now. All right. 80s forever. No. Um, the who. When we approach people with the truth of the gospel, we encounter two types of people it's going to cause to come out. I'm going to go ahead and give you the two people we're going to talk about because as we're talking about both, we'll kind of go back and forth a little bit, but, but, but I'm going to try to um, keep them in their groups. The first one, the, the who first group in this is the religious people, and the second group is the sinners. And you're going to encounter religious people and you're going to encounter sinners as you approach people with the truth of the gospel. And I'm being very careful with that. The gospel, the truth of the gospel, not, not a man's made gospel, not the gospel that you might turn on television and hear a televangelist uh, say, not something that man desires that we want to be true, but I'm talking about the biblical truth of the gospel is going to bring out religious and sinners. And there's a reason for that. We're going to talk about that. So in this group, the religious people here that we're talking about is the Pharisees. Okay? The Pharisees were lay, were a layman's fellowship. Um, they were part of the, uh, the, the Jewish church, popular with the common people and connected to the local synagogue. And they were chiefly characterized by um, um, being extensive extra-biblical traditions. They had to memorize every, uh, over 600 laws, which they rigorously obeyed as a means of applying the law to their daily life. They, they, made, they made a religion out of being religious. They made a religion out of the laws and, and the things that they had um, going on. For example... Uh, I've used this again uh, several times for Pharisees. What the Pharisees did was, if God or Moses had said, "Do not bring food into the and uh, the worship center," a Pharisee would have said, "You cannot bring food one mile away from the uh, um, from the uh, the church." Well, is that what I said? No. 
But to guarantee that would not happen, that's the extra they went. And they begin to make this law. They begin to make the law more the law than the Bible. And it became about who they were. And it came about them. They wanted to be seen. They wanted people to go, how awesome is this person? How awesome, how religious they are. Man, isn't he an awesome person? And in our day, it'll be, isn't she just a good church-going person? Isn't he just a great person? They were looking for the affirmation of people, and people became their God more than God did. And they used the name of Jewish and, and, and world. And, and I'm going to just be honest, a lot of them began not doing this as a bad thing. And some of them even thought they were doing right. One of the most famous was Paul, who was first Saul, and he was killing people out of what he thought was the correct thing. And later he became a Christian himself after his counter with God. Pharisees would have regarded what Jesus was doing as a slap to their face. Because one thing that you would see is he was reclining with them, which we'll talk about here in a second. But tell me what passage in the Bible where he reclines with the Pharisees. I'm waiting. Drew, what passage did he recline with the Pharisees? can't think of that one? I'll give you a hint. Nev and ever. Okay. Never. It never happened. Because it was not who Jesus was going after because they could not see that they were lost. They could not see their sickness. See, religious people are blind to their own spiritual sickness. They have become so much about themselves. So when Jesus said, I did not come here for the righteous, but I, I came for the sinners. Those who are well don't need a doctor. He, he was explaining to them that you think you need nothing, so I can't help you. When I was a, a youth pastor in Hattiesburg, there was a, we had a church split that had happened at my church right before I came and um, so we had two churches pretty close to each other. And the former pastor um, was very involved in the school, and I was very involved in the school as a youth pastor. And he, and, uh, and he, was one of, he became one of the announcers for, uh, for the football team, and I was very much part of the football team. A lot of times I was the chaplain, and I did stuff with the band, the soccer team, things like that. And, I, and, uh, and in Mississippi, football is about the only major event that we have that goes on ever on Friday night. So, you know, everybody is, it's, it's a big deal, especially in a small town. So we're there, and he's announcing, and the game's going, and all of a sudden we hear a thud, and nothing's coming out of the box. And then I get a tap. And says, can you get up here? And I said, sure. And I get up there, and there's Brother Cliff lying on the floor. He had a heart attack. So I'm helping him. I'm getting everything um, together. And we get to the doctor. They're looking at everything. They finally get him conscious. And, is, and they say, has he ever had a problem? 
He's never gone to the doctor. He's never sick. He's never. They found out when they did diagnosis, he had been sick for a long time. But because he never went to a doctor, he never thought that he was sick. He felt like he never needed a doctor, so he never knew the symptoms that was leading to this heart condition. Luckily, he survived and he's alive and preaching today. But I took out of that is, just because you never went to the doctor doesn't mean that you weren't sick. And he was sick, but never went to the doctor. And here was these religious people, they were going to the church, they were doing all the right things, but they were missing out because they were so focused on themselves, they became so self-righteous, so self-religious, that they couldn't see their own spiritual sickness. Whoa, whoa, Kent, this... Okay, what does this have to do with evangelism? What does this have to do with us? I'm glad you asked. First of all, we want people to have a relationship and know it's not semantics there. There is a true difference. We want people to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. We want them to recline at his table. We'll talk about that here in a minute. But we want that one-on-one fellowship with Jesus. But what we don't want is that you busy yourself so much with church that you begin to worship the policies and the doctrines and the doings more than you're worshiping the one that we came to worship for. And when you begin to tell people the true gospel of Jesus Christ, it does make religious people uncomfortable because the word of God will confront them. Even if they think they know it, it begins to confront them because when you begin to preach, a lot of times they're not going to like what you're preaching because it is going to be scripturally centered. And it's not going to make a lot of sense for them. Because some people, they're going to be so religious to their denomination. Like that is the denomination. They become so denominational to that one denomination, that means that that core beliefs, that they, they forget that there's a Bible, and that Bible outdoes their denomination. And we have to be cautious with that. You're going to have some people who, who, who believe that the Bible and Jesus is whatever they feel. Well, I had a hot fudge Sunday about two hours ago, and I was feeling really good then. So, you know, Jesus is great right then. But let me just tell you, I'm not going to be feeling too good in about two hours when I'm hungry again. We're going to base things off of feelings. Jesus is going to feel this way and that. And we're living in such a tolerant society. Jesus is this one day. Jesus is that one day. We can't live like that. That's How many of y'all want to have a relationship with somebody, period? I don't care if they're your mom, your dad, your best friend, boyfriend, girlfriend. How many of you want people who are going to have spastic relationships with you? In other words, how many people you want that they're, they're good for five seconds and then just a few minutes later they're crazy? Would you want a relationship like that? I, I wouldn't either. And that's, that's the problem. We're trying to make that into Jesus. And the thing is, Jesus isn't that way. He's steady. This is what Scripture says. We have a lot of people making up, especially in the religious field, what he is. 
So when we're telling people about the gospel, a lot of times it's not going to be the sinners, believe it or not, who are offended. And we'll talk about that here in a second. Why? It is usually sometimes the religious people who think they know the Bible who are offended. We need to be prepared on the people you approach and be loving even to those people. Do we need to confront them? Yes, because they're claiming the name of Christ. But yet, we need to be true to what the Scripture says. So, we will confront, we will have those people come to us who are the religious. And the second who is the sinner. So, look at this um, part of the passage here in number 11. I mean, sorry, in uh, in number 10. Many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. This, pa- this little scripture here has a ton, ton of stuff happening with this. But when we read it, we go, okay, da, da, da. no, this thing's huge. First of all, he's reclining with tax collectors. Tax collectors, they were Jewish, considered the Jews considered them traitors. And since collecting taxes entailed cooperation with the Roman uh, uh, um, occupiers of, Pal- uh, of Palestine, of Palestine, they were considered traitors. They were considered against who they were. And here he is, a Jewish rabbi, which means teacher, sitting with them, reclining, eating, talking, Making himself equal to them in, 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 in what the people would say. Okay, we'll talk about, just hang on, setting up the story here. And then the sinner. You go, okay, isn't tax collectors sinners too? Yes, they are, but this was an all-encompassing title. Pharisees would have regarded as sinners anyone who failed to keep God's law as they interpret it, and then turn, uh, and then the turn uh, here since seems to reflect the commonly understood uh, meaning by which it is included by both people guilty of publicly known sin and others who did not keep the strict purity requirements of the Pharisees. And these are going to be people a little more public in their sins. And a lot of times, these were the prostitutes. A lot of times, these were uh, these were the the people who knew they were just completely against the Jewish customs. They, 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 not only were they against it, they knew it and they lived it. They had embraced it. They were sinners. But see, here's the deal. They didn't have to be told they were sinners. They knew. They knew they were sinners. They knew they were tax collectors. Then Jesus did something in this. What did he do? What does it say that he did? And many tax collectors and sinners came and and were what? Reclining with Jesus and his disciples. Reclining to you and me don't mean a lot, but it, 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 it meant a lot then. It's a sense of fellowship and friendship. Fellowship and friendship. Now understand, it was not a sense that he was accepting 
their sins. But he was accepting them. He was caring for who they were. And what upset the Pharisees was, here was this Jewish teacher reclining with them, which we just said that he never reclined with the Pharisees, because reclining with someone means that you considered them equal to you. And this was offensive to them, because the Pharisees would consider Jesus himself now a sinner for just doing that by their law. But Jesus was sitting there doing something that was breaking customary and culture stuff, and he was sitting there and he was loving them. It does not say he was partaking in their sin. It does not say that he was encouraging them to sin. No, it says that he was reclining with them. He was building a a fellowship with them. He was building a friendship with them. He was reaching them where they were. He cared for them. And see, the Pharisees considered themselves so much better than anyone else, they would walk miles and miles and miles away from cities that were considered sinner, sinners, like, like, the, uh, like the Samaritan area, to not even be near it. So for someone to recline with them, to go into their house, you have to understand, if a Pharisee had a brother or a sister who they considered in the sinning part, even though family was very close back then, they would have disowned them and separated them. But not Jesus. He sat there and he ate with them. He broke bread with them. In this culture, in in this Eastern culture, that was a huge deal for them. It would be like me inviting you into my home and saying, Stay with us, eat with us, fellowship with us. He reclined. Why? Well, he answers it, doesn't he? 9.13? What does he say? I came not to call the what? The righteous. But the what? Sinners. Jesus offers salvation to sinners, threatens the Pharisees' way of life. Yet, it is at the heart of the gospel he came announcing. I desire mercy in that sacrifice is a quotation from Hosea 6.6. Sacrifice summarized the observation of the religious rituals. He was like, you are just doing the rituals of sacrificing the lambs and doing the motions. All you're doing is going to church, raising your hand when the preacher says to do it, or doing this, and you're doing tithing out of obligation, you're going to Sunday school out of obligation, you're coming to journey out of obligation, you're doing everything out of obligation, but no love. You're doing everything for the, I did not require that. Most important to God was the mercy. Which meant in the Septuagint, when this passed, you know, when it was written, it's the word yeast. And yeast means, in Aramaic, steadfast love. So read that again. I desire steadfast love. 
and not rituals. Which would have led the Pharisees to care for these sinners as Jesus did. But they cared more about the rituals. They cared more about what people said about them than the steadfast love of God. And guys, if we're going to be a youth group that cares about the loss, we have to have a steadfast love. That does not mean we become like the world. We do not become like the world. We're going to be different. We need to be different. I want to encourage you to be different. You can be different and be in the world, but not of the world. I'm doing it. One of the reasons I started coaching is to do this stuff with you. I am doing it with you, and I am around lost people who do not share my same beliefs, but they're asking questions. In the month of June, I got stopped at the end of a practice and was asked by a mother of one of my uh, uh, swimmers and said, Coach, can I talk to you? And I thought it was about her daughter. She said, Coach, I've been watching you now. And watching how you treat these kids, talk to people. I've seen you in a couple situations. I said, okay. I'm ready for the punch here, you know. She says, coach, can you tell me how to have Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior? That happened right at the pool. I said, yes, ma'am. I'm right there on the side of a pool. She became a sister in Christ. She had a past. She had some stuff going on. But none of that mattered. Because she saw Jesus. She saw Jesus' love. And she knew she needed it. Will you be willing to do that? Now sometimes you're like, well, you know, Ken, I'm going to tell people about Jesus, they're not, again, that's not upon you if they accept or not accept. That, that's not upon you. Because I'm going to tell you plenty of stories where I've told people uh, of Jesus Christ and they never accept. I got 30 million more of those than I do of the success. I promise you that, okay? That's not upon you. On this one, I wasn't even presenting. It was just someone saw. Well, we show the steadfast love. Or will we act like the religious people and be more worried about rituals and doing everything right? And that's not how we've ever done it before. And we get onto these extra things instead of about the heart of a person. My prayer is that we're more about the heart and see people as God sees people than about. Did that offend the people around us or not? Will we show people the love of Christ? So that's my prayer for you tonight. I'm going to pray for you. And my challenge for you this week is, will you show the steadfast love to a friend? Will you make the agreement to show steadfast love to a friend this week? And say, you know what, I know you've had a hard time, but let me, can I pray with you? Can I love on you? And maybe in the conversation you get around and 
and, and talking about church or talking about things you do and you invite them, that's great. Maybe that doesn't happen this week. That's okay. But will you show them Jesus' love this week? That's the challenge to you. Will you do it? World changers, y'all took my challenges pretty seriously, and I hope y'all do with these as well. Will you show the steadfast love of Jesus Christ this week to a friend? That sounds easy. It's not. Sounds like it will be hard to me because it will. Show them the love of Christ and who He is. Let's pray. Holy Father, we thank You so much for who You are. We ask right now that You'll forgive us for we have failed You. I pray, Father, that You open our minds and our hearts to the gospel that's around us. Father, will we show people Your love? Will we show people who You are? Or will we more be worried about rituals and, and documents and the, these things? Or will we be worried about, or will we worry about people's hearts and their souls and who they are? Let us be about you and your kingdom. Amen. Guys, if you'll stand.